I'm Sherry Minnelli. And I'm Diane Downey. We're from EarthFriendlyHomeowner.com. And we love healthy soil, clean water, fresh air, and growing healthy food. We're inspired to help heal our local community as well as our planet. And welcome back to the Earth Friendly Homeowner Podcast. This is Sherry Minnelli, and today I'm here with Sandy Rowley. And Sandy is from Beyond Pesticides, so welcome, Sandy. Hey, thank you for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Um, today we wanted to talk about being more bee-friendly, and you were telling me some things that really blew my mind because I always thought that I was being bee-friendly, and I'm discovering things that I didn't know, so I thought it would be important to bring that information to our listeners today. So how did you get started on this whole thing with the going beyond pesticides and, and with uh, becoming more bee-friendly? Oh, goodness. Well, my whole life I've had a love for bees. Um, my uh, grandfather uh, shared a story of uh, how when I was born I was a premature baby. wasn't expected to live. They sent me home to die. And a friend of his gave him an old recipe. And the recipe included local honey, raw egg, and milk, and to feed that to me. And, you know, I am 45 years later, I'm still here. So I've always had this connection with these. You know, thank you. You know, if it wasn't for um, that local beekeeper, I wouldn't be here. (laughs) But it's always been just a fun little story to share with friends and family. As the years went on, I noticed uh, a lot of dead bees in my yard. And I knew that I wasn't using any insecticides or chemicals that would harm them. Um, so I started researching it, and that's when my eyes were opened, and I was terrified at what I'd learned, and that you know drove me to do whatever I could as an average everyday citizen to help protect bees and pollinators. Um, so that's kind of the long story of how I got involved. Okay, so I guess as a homeowner. I I try to grow a few of my plants from seeds, but most of the time I'm going to end up going out to the nurseries. And I know that there was a big protest, um, not a, perhaps protest isn't the right word, um, lots of petitions sent to Home Depot and Lowe's to get them to become more, um, be friendly with the plants that they were um, selling. And so, and I, I think they've had a little bit of success With that, it looks like in the future it's still a ways off that they're trying to um, make some changes. But I guess as a homeowner, what do I need to be looking out for? How do I know if I'm being friendly to the bees? And um, how do I know what to avoid? Sure, and that's a really good question. Most of us are told in any marketing that we read online, whether it's social media, website, or any advertising, we're told plant more flowers plant more um, trees and shrubs and wildflowers that attract bees. And that's only part of what you need to do. Friends of the Earth did a study uh, last year where they went to local garden shops as well as the big chain garden shops, you know, like Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, and they bought a sampling of vegetables, of flowering plants and shrubs, and they tested them for a class of pesticides that's known to harm bees, uh, ladybugs, butterflies, and birds, as well as a number of other uh, important pollinators. And 
their studies showed that over 54% of every seed or plant that they bought was treated with a type of pesticide that can last five years or longer. You can't wash it off. Those pesticides are called neonicotinoids or neonics for short. So when you're going even to your local garden shop, you have to ask them, have these plants or have these seeds been treated with neonics? So if they have, obviously you don't want to use them. A majority of garden shops that we call, well, I started off with a blog a couple of years ago, and a handful of friends and I uh, started calling our local garden shops and asking, have you protected my plants with neonics? Because I don't want those pesty bugs to eat them or damage them. And the response we got was shocking. They would say, yes, we spray once a week with everything. We have to to protect our, our product. Right? Because when you go to a garden shop, you are looking for the you know the best rose or the best plant that doesn't have holes in it from bugs. So garden shops, they regularly treat their trees, their shrubs, their rose, all of their plants with neonicotinoids. Oh, no, and I thought it was just the big box store. So I was actually not buying any flowering plants at the big box stores and thinking, okay, well, if I go to my local nursery, I'm fine. But I guess I hadn't, I hadn't even considered the fact that they would also be spraying. Yeah, and, and yeah, because they think that they have to. And the thing that's ridiculous is even nicotinoids last for years, five years or longer. Some of them, when they degrade in the sun, they turn into another type of chemical or pesticide that lasts 13 years. So oh, no. it's just insanity. So if you're trying to do something good for the environment, uh, for your children, your grandchildren's future so they can have healthy food to eat, you need to buy either native plants, like you go to your local store, um, or even your uh, the county usually sells native plants. And you ask them, have you treated any of these plants with neonics? And most of them will say no because we don't need to, because the plants are native, so they're not going to attract insects to come and rid them you know, or damage them or eat them. The number one thing that anyone can do if you're buying seeds or plants is to buy certified organic. Because if they're certified organic, they have not used systemic pesticides. Because you have different types of pesticides. You have pesticides that will wash off in a couple of months. It'll, you know, it goes somewhere, but at least it's not on the plant, right? It's still not mm-hmm. the best thing to do. Um, and then you have systemic pesticides, which are neonicotinoids, or neonics for short. And those are the ones that are persistent in the environment. They travel in the soil. Um, they affect uh, the waterways and the community. They do a lot of damage. So if I'm going to the store, and I'd, I personally don't buy anything anymore to spray on my plants, but... Is there a chance that I would buy something at the store that would be a new nick? Yes, you would. So it's it's not just limited to the seeds and the plants and the bulbs. When you buy wood chips, when you buy soil, when you buy compost, if they're not certified organic, whoever the organic certifying agency is, it's fine. There's a number of them out there. It's just not USDA. There's a number of other organic certifiers. Um, but if it, if it does not say certified organic, it can say natural, it can say earth-friendly, 
It can say whatever, but if it doesn't say certified organic, it's just like the rest of the stuff out there. It has to be organic. And that's everything that you buy, um, whether that's food that you um, serve your family or eat for yourself or plants or sod or soil that you put in your yard. So are you saying that even the wood chips that I would buy at a store would be sprayed with something like that? Yep, they spray them either with insecticides, with herbicides. Uh, a pesticide is anything that ends with the C-I-D-E on the end. Right. Whether it weeds, bugs, fung- you know, algae, doesn't matter. It is killing life. Oh, I never, ever, ever would have imagined the wood chip. I just wouldn't have, it, I wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have even thought that they would spray it with anything. It, it wouldn't have even crossed my mind. Well, a lot you know, if you think of it in this this way, most people when they buy wood chips, they're hoping to suppress weeds. So if you're if you have wood chips and you want to use that as a marketing statement that this will help suppress weeds, you're going to put a herbicide on it. <laughs> so even uh, like redwood or um, some hardwoods that you buy at Home Depot or any any lumber store, they've been injected with an insecticide. So not only are the plants, the majority of the plants and the seeds, sods, vegetables, trees, flowering plants that you buy and you have installed in your yard, your park, school, they've been treated with an insecticide. But the wood for your fencing, the majority of the wood that they use has been injected with an insecticide. So we ask, why are the bees dying? What is the problem with our pollinators? And all life is struggling right now. Um, Well, you know, everywhere they go, they can't get a break. There's, you know, there's there's always something that has an insecticide on it, or there's herbicides that have just been sprayed in an area. It's mind-boggling how our government can approve these chemicals. So, but you can do something. Okay, so what can we do? Because this sounds pretty depressing right now. (laughs) It is, and it's just the truth. And when you know better, you can do better. When I learned about this, I went through a period where I was a little bit depressed. You know, I was really scared for my children's future. And I'm thinking, okay, I can sit here and be depressed, or I can actually do something. And that's what got me into this. And this is how I ended up working for Beyond Pesticides, a national nonprofit that's been fighting for years to help protect the environment and reduce the amount of chemicals that we're all exposed to. Um, so tell me more about Beyond Pesticides. What, how big are they and what, where are they putting their efforts? Sure. Beyond Pesticides, well, they're a national nonprofit located out of Washington, D.C. They've been at this for almost 40 years. The amount of work that they've done is just amazing. Um, we're working on training municipalities around the country. Uh, municipalities would include your local parks and rec department, your county, your city, your state parks, schools, hospitals. We're providing free services to tribes, to city parks. We're helping them go organic, right? Um, most of the organizations, when I first started doing this work, I'd call them and ask them if they use pesticides. No, we don't use any pesticides. And then I'd go to the city clerk and get a list of all of the chemicals or, excuse me, the pesticides that currently that city's using, and there it is, herbicides. 
Roundup. So Roundup's not a pesticide. I'm like, oh, my gosh, really? Uh, Roundup definitely is a pesticide. So there's a lot of misinformation, even with our uh, Department of Agriculture. I had asked them for a list of all the chemicals that they use managing all of their properties throughout the state of Nevada. And the secretary says, we don't use pesticides. I get their public records request information uh, back, and they use Roundup. They use herbicides. So let me let me ask you another question. So people say that Roundup is an herbicide. So why are you saying that's a pesticide? Well, anything that ends with C-I-D-E on the end of it is a pesticide. Pesticide is um, a classification of a chemical. Okay. So whether that chemical kills weeds, which is an herbicide, or it kills insects, which is an insecticide, it kills, you know, uh, there's, you know, mosquitoes, there's rodenticide, there's so many, any pest um, that is killed with a synthetic chemical or an organic chemical, you know, there's another classification of organic pesticides, and they're just as dangerous as the synthetic pesticide. So, so herbicide is a pesticide. Okay, so you're saying that these herbicides are also affecting the bees and the pollinators and the wildlife and the yes, and everything. Wow, I think and that's something that people don't think of and and don't know. Yeah. So currently, uh, the work that I'm doing for Beyond Pesticides, um, we're training. Uh, gosh, how many? We've got 13 parks in the city of Reno, Nevada, three parks in Carson City. We have the state capitol, the state legislator, um, a number of tribes that we're working for. Um, but we go in and we train uh, the parks in Merrick or the land care managers how to manage land without synthetic fertilizers and without the use of pesticides. Really? Oh, I didn't realize they were doing that. So if I have a, a park... If I have a town that I would like to see them get trained in that, is that something where I call Beyond Pesticides and they – how does that all work? Most definitely. What we like to see is some level of commitment. In the past, um, the team at Beyond Pesticides would go out and uh, do training for a large organization, and then nothing ever gets done. They put together a beautiful plan – they have case studies, they figure out the budget for them, and then they never implement anything. So what we like to see is a letter of commitment. So the city of Reno, city council, mayor, um, signed the letter saying, yes, we're committed to doing pilot programs. And they started with two parks, and then that's now going to 13 parks, um, and now Washington County School District. So... Um, there's a number of good things that have grown out of those two initial pilot programs because the, most of these people have been trained uh, by big ag, right, the industry that sells the synthetic fertilizers and the synthetic pesticides. So their training, everything that they've been taught that is right <laughs> with the world, includes pesticides and synthetic fertilizers. So when you have this group coming out of, you know, a nonprofit group or a local person saying, hey, you need to stop doing that. You know, just it causes them to get on the defensive. And then once you show them, hey, it can be done. It's been done at the state park. You know, we're doing a number of state parks being done at the state capitol. It can be done. And it's, you know, it's not that much more expensive. In some cases, you save money. Most of the 
the work that we've done, it'll take two to three years for them to start saving money. And usually it's water costs that they save. But once they see that it works, then they start talking with their friends and family. Wow, I can't believe this works. And then once they get it that, oh, I don't have to work about uh, around these dangerous chemicals that affect my health and my children's health, then they're all in. They're, you know, pretty smart people, right? But you just got to show them that it works. And once they know that it works, then it just opens up. The floodgates open up. It really does. And they start recommending everyone to you. Uh, I've so, seen in yeah. local gardeners around here, and I've asked them, because I've seen them spraying Roundup, I'm like, you know, don't you know that this is dangerous? And they're like, no, I was told it wasn't. I'm like, do you wear a mask or gloves? No, 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 I just spray it everywhere. I'm like, well, who told you to spray it? Well, we just have to. If there's weeds, you just spray it. And, you know, I've realized that they're they're very uneducated about the dangers of the chemicals, and they have no sense of, I, I think the scary thing is that they it does, doesn't even cross their mind to use as little as possible. It's kind of like, oh, it's just like water. Let's just spray it everywhere. And um, and so I'm really excited about the work that you guys are doing. I didn't realize the extent of what uh, Beyond Pesticides was. Yeah, yeah. See, the thing with Roundup, you know, there's a lot of campaigns online, Beyond Roundup, you know, that's wonderful. I would love that. But here's the thing. Unless you ban all the herbicides, right, they're going to use something that's even worse than Roundup. I think it's like a vacuum. It's like, well, we know what to do with this and how it works or, well, you know, that it gets rid of weeds. And so if we don't use that, what other herbicide do we need? It's, I think you're right. It's a vacuum because they need a different methodology for how do I manage my landscape. Exactly. Well, something that, you know, you might want to share with them, depending on how open they are to hearing that is, um, and this is, I'm learning new stuff all the time. And um, the other day I was reading a study where it showed that all of the pesticides that you've exposed yourself to, herbicides included, so you're out there spraying those rocks, you know, you you ripped up your sod, you had the good intentions of saving water, which is a brilliant idea, but then you put down rocks. Rocks attract weeds. We love rocks. (laughs) So now you're out there spraying Roundup or you're out there spraying another herbicide. And all those herbicides that you ingest to to your lungs, when you go inside, even if you take your shoes off and take your clothes off in the garage and put on new clothes before you go in the house, whenever you breathe out, you're breathing out herbicides. And your children and your pets are breathing them in. Well, that that was our second uh, podcast was on gravel and, you know, don't put gravel in your yard and... The whole point of the podcast is how to be more earth-friendly because I think there's a lot of misunderstandings about tearing out the turf, especially here in California where we've had this bad drought and they've given rebates for tearing out your turf. Mm -hmm. And they're not always making good decisions. The whole point of tearing out the turf is to do something that's more earth-friendly, which means you really should be putting in rain gardens and swales and... um, putting down some compost, and then mulch that is from, you know, fresh trees that that haven't been sprayed and, and that will decompose so that you've got that, those good microbes in the soil. And hopefully that's a, a message that we're getting out there because I think there's a lot of people that want to do right. I've seen a lot of my neighbors in the neighborhood 
they want to replace their yard because they want to save water, but they're really unclear as to you know why why they're doing what they're doing, why removing the turf is really helping. Yeah, so, and if they understood the fact that once if they converted their front yard when they have fought and they convert it to organic, they stop using synthetic fertilizers, right? Because that's a big problem. And they started adding, you know, organic compost, right, um, to their their yard in the fall and then in the spring. After some of them are see results sooner than that, but the average is two to three years. After two to three years, you'd say that there's seventy five percent of the water cost just by going organic. I've actually saved more than that because um, in putting in my swales, all of that water I've got clay soil. I can now go with all those natives in there six months, nine months without watering. And if I get the rain at the right time, I might be able to go a year without watering, and maybe even longer. And and it's fabulous. It was fabulous to let go of the gardeners that would come and mow and blow. I don't like all that noise pollution. And here in my subdivision, every every Thursday, it seems like all of them descend on my street and, and all you hear is mow and blow. In fact, I hear it right now. <laughs> and uh, and so what was really nice is to go, whoa, I don't even have to put out the green bin for waste because I hardly have any waste and any waste that I do have I now can compost or bury or, or, or put somewhere and I don't have to pay anybody to mow and blow. I don't have to hear that pollution. I don't have to put anything down. There's no, I don't put any, any kind of sides on my, the only thing I use is compost tea or compost tea or compost, worm tea, worm castings, something natural. That's fantastic. You just have to keep doing what you're doing. you got to be able to show your neighbors, hey, look at my beautiful yard. I'm more healthy. And, and well, you know, hence, you know, hey, you know, all the pesticides that you're exposed to, when you have children, you pass on those pesticides to your children. Not only that, but all the pesticides that you've been exposed to that have damaged your DNA, all of the, the damaged DNA is passed down to your children. Well, let's move on to if somebody wants to contact Beyond Pesticides, and, and I imagine that you guys are a great wealth of information, but you also do the training. How would they contact you and get more help? Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a great section on the website called Be Protective. There's a number of beekeeping resources, homeowner resources, as well as uh, factual studies and information that you can share with your homeowners association, your mayor, your city council. But uh, the phone number that you should call is area code 202-543-5450. But, yeah, check out the website, beyondpesticides.org, and search for Be Protective. Um, there's a number of great um, articles on there and easy-to-understand information. Um, and we'll, we'll post that on our show notes as well. But I'm guessing that you know a lot about bees because of your love for them. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Well, just wondering, I know that there's more than just, you know, hives of bees, those European honeybees, that there's a lot of, I guess you'd call them singular bees and just a lot of different varieties and types. Do you know anything about creating a habitat for them in your yard? Oh, 
sure bee habitats are lots of fun. So here's the thing with honeybees, right, the European honeybees. They're pretty gentle, kind. You know, my old house I have, you know, I loved Russian sage, and the bees, they, they just, you know, every day, sun up, sun down, they're on there. Um, I had hundreds, possibly thousands of bees around my front porch. It never bothered me. Never. Eight years, never got stung, never had a problem. So most honeybees are gentle. But if you disturb their hive, obviously they're going to get protective. So if, you, if you're hiking through the woods or wherever and you come across a, a swarm, um, they're fine. They're not. They're not going to hurt you because they don't have hides to protect. But if you have a bee that starts circling your head, that's a sign to slowly just walk away and remain calm. You know, try not to emit any um, stress hives of any sort, and they'll leave you alone. A lot of people say, "Sandy, I want to have a beehive in my backyard." And I'm like, "Oh, that's nice," um, but you have to understand that bees forge, you know, up to three to four square miles. So if your yard is organic and you're not um, spraying chemicals or using synthetic fertilizers, that's great. But if your neighbors are, they're going to be affected by that. So, you know, I try to tell people not to get a hive unless you live out in the country. I personally don't think that you're doing much good. But what I do recommend for people to do is to help the native bees. Most of these bees are solitary bees. They don't have a hive to protect. They're not aggressive. Some of them don't even have stingers, right? So you can put in your yard what's called a bee hotel or an insect hotel. Really popular concept in Europe and that's catching on in the States. But just Google insect hotel or how to build a bee hotel or how to build a bee habitat. You can build something as elaborate as what we did at Glenville Visitor Center. We built a huge insect hotel, like six foot by five foot and two pesticide free gardens out in the middle of the forest. Or you can build something as simple as uh, something you take bamboo poles or tubes or even straws, paper straws, time, you know, the ribbon, and put them in the tree somewhere. Put them, you know, on a, a block of wood. But, yeah, just do a quick Google and I'll send you a link to the bee protective uh, section of Beyond Pesticides where you can just build something at home with your kids. And these will attract native pollinators. Oh, great. Now, here's something that I've shared with my audience before, but if you haven't listened to one of the previous podcasts, you might not have heard this. If you've got a vegetable garden, I highly recommend planting at least 10% around that vegetable garden and natives because you'll attract the good insects and the good pollinators and and really help the habitat, and it'll help your, your vegetable garden as well. And leave some of the weeds. Seriously, dandelions are one of the... Uh, First flowering weeds in the spring that help bees. Oh, my gosh, the spring is almost here, and they get the food that they need, the energy that they need. And dandelion leaves are so good for you. They're delicious in salads. So but leave an area of your yard wild. You know, leave some sticks and leaves and debris. Put a little fence around it to keep your pets out. So you have native bees or pollinators that drill holes in the ground, and that's where they make the nest. Tall grasses, let your you know, section of your yard have tall grass and weeds in it. You know, that's something that you can really help a great deal uh, for your native pollinators. Oh, great advice. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to add about the pesticides or the bees before we go? 
Oh, sure. Well, you had had a question about wasps. Yes, actually I did. I I was wondering about that. So, super important. So, whenever I've got neighbors that have those yellow hanging, you know, wasp catchers, and whenever you kill a bee or a wasp or hornet, within three seconds it emits a pheromone that alerts any other wasp in that area to come and attack. So whenever you hang those yellow jacket catchers in your tree, all you're doing is killing that wasp or the yellow jacket and attracting all of the yellow jackets and wasps to your yard to hurt somebody. So they're not a good idea. Wasps and yellow, you know, they're pollinators as well. And most of them, they don't want anything to do with you. They're looking for something else, and it's not you or your kids. You know, just get rid of those wasp catchers. They're doing more harm than good. I'll have a pest control company come knocking on my door and I'll say something like, no, I don't believe in using pesticides. And they will inevitably tell me the line, oh, well, our products are are organic. (laughs) Ours are safe. And I I just figured that it would be interesting to have you comment on that. Oh, gosh, Lord, don't get me started. So (laughs) here's the thing with pesticide companies, right? Again, yes. they've been trained, they've, been, they've bought the idea that what they're doing is good and you're helping families and bugs and insects are evil and must be killed at all costs. <laughs> right now, it's kind of like the wild, wild west. You know, restaurants are doing this, pesticide companies, pest control companies. When they're saying, they can say, oh, we use organic, earth-friendly products. But they don't. They really don't. There's no certification process, Right. So they know that organic is like a $40 billion a year industry that's growing um, at a rapid pace, and they're just trying to opt in on that. So in my personal opinion, there are no safe pesticides, none. Not even the 25B pesticides that organic farmers are allowed to use in their systems. So if you have a problem with ants in your house, you need to use cultural practices where you look, you follow the trail, where are they getting in? Is there a hole in the wall? Is there a crack in the floor? Seal it up. Do you have, you know, kids that are spilling juice on the floor? Clean it up. Same with mice. Usually with any pest that gets inside your house, because there's a hole, there's an entryway that you need to block up, and then that's it. Or there's a food source. You clean up the food source and you stop. You block the entryway. You don't need pesticides spreading in home. Last year, according to the CDC, 300,000 people died from pesticide exposure. And that's just the documented cases. And it built up in our system as well, right? So all the pesticides that we're exposed to, especially children, children absorb, before the age of five, 50% of all the pesticides they'll be exposed to in their life. So, and they keep it, they store it in the tissue. So it's like um, there's a, a load, there's a point that you get to where it starts affecting your health. Over half of all the children in the U.S. have at least one chronic illness. And the numbers are crazy. So the kids are being exposed to pesticides in their home, at, in their yard, at school, at the hospital, at the restaurant. Um, they're being exposed to pesticides in their food, in their water. Um, the USGS tests um, the waterways throughout the country. And in the state of Nevada last year, over 51% of our waterways tested positive 
pesticides. So we're inundated with these chemicals. So it's imperative, it's important for you to buy organic, certified organic, not just because they said, oh, it's natural and earth-friendly. It has to be certified by some agency. Natural grocers, very affordable solution. Just because you go to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's and you buy food does not mean that it's organic. Whenever you look at that serial number, that barcode, it has to start with the letter uh, the number 9. If it doesn't, more likely it's GMO and they've used conventional pesticides. So I know it's a lot of information, just something I'm very passionate about. Um, we're at a critical point in our history where we you know, get up and do something every day instead of just saying, I'm an activist or I want to save the world and but you're not really doing anything, that time is over. You've got to get up and start doing something. Call your homeowners association, call your school, start practicing what you're preaching, learn more about it, um, take classes. But we've got to start doing something now. Well, if there's any good news in this is that I see a tipping point where I'm seeing more and more people concerned about it and doing things about it, and I'm seeing changes. And so thank you so much for all you do with Beyond Pesticides. It's amazing, and we'll put up the show notes and get people taking a look at what you're doing and connecting with you. All right, wonderful. Thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. Amazing work. Thanks for listening to the Earth Friendly Homeowner Podcast. Let us know if you have any questions or comments on our website at earthfriendlyhomeowner.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and we would love for you to give us a review of the podcast.